What's up, locals? It's Mike and Kenzie coming to you live from the 775. We're going to be restructuring the podcast into a couple different segments for you. Um, the first one's going to be failing forward, and that is all about us, a little bit of our trials and tribulations, really what we're working towards each week. And we're treating it like an audio diary so that we can really figure out how to hold ourselves accountable and try and improve. Um, the next one's going to be news. And so that's going to be the local and global happenings and hot takes. Thank you, Maverick, for that. Uh, basically just updating you about what's going on in our world and then the world around us. And then finally, we're going to be going into two different segments. Um, we'll kind of rotate rotate these on and off each week. Um, essentially, the first one is going to be called Turning You On. And it's all about turning you on to the favorite places, favorite people, favorite things that we find. Um, just the cool little spots that we happen to stumble upon every week. And then the last one is Q&A from you, the listeners. So that's where we get to handle some of your questions, answer them, and talk about the different subjects that you shoot over on our website. That was a great intro. Sweet. And yeah, so I guess we can head right into failing forward. And I have a very recent failing, which is this stupid intro to yeah. the podcast. <laughs> yep. I, I was going to talk about it too. It was very frustrating to start this off because we're trying to be too polished. That is the thing about podcasting that is very frustrating is like you want to be your true authentic self and then you record an intro and you hate the way you sound or you stumble upon your words. And I think going forward, we just need to not care about that. Just got to keep it real. Just keep it going. Yeah. Keep it going. Well, that's, <laughs> that is what failing forward is, is eventually we get better and we get polished, but we're way better conversationally. Yeah. I completely agree. Well, yeah, I think the failing forward too, like I'm excited to just be accountable for that because a lot of the time, I think when you're in conversation with people, it's also about the highlights of like what you're doing well. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really important to recognize your own fail failures and be able to talk about that with people because I think we can all relate to failure. Like Everybody we, fails. Yeah, everybody fails. And it's also important to recognize that if you're not failing, how are you, like you're not improving. And for me, I feel like, if I'm not comfortable to talk about my failures, I'm not going to be able to receive feedback mm -hmm. and I'm not going to be able to recognize where my weaknesses are and not be able to grow. So yeah. I think that this is just really a great segment for us to always be able to look back on and see how we've improved. But my hope is that this segment will also be able to encourage others to fail openly and fail hard and fail with um, honesty so that you can improve. Yeah. None of the greats ever hit it the first time. Yeah. Like it was a lot of trial and error that you don't see behind the, behind the scenes. You don't get to see that. You just get to see like right. Rocky on top of the, the mountain, so to speak. Yeah. Um, so for me failing forward over the last week and a half, I went to LifeWest Chiropractic College. Mm -hmm. I've been seeking direction. I'm 26. I'll be 27 this month. And just really seeking more direction with life. And I was hoping that chiropractic might be a good angle to go at. I love, you know, helping people. I love making people feel better, live better, all of that. And that was kind of my why. Yeah. So I got to go tour the campus and chat with some of like the professors and admissions and all of that. And it honestly scares me. Um, it's, it would be three and a half years of school. It would be not working. It would be getting like six figures in debt. And through all of that, that also offsets the kind of life that I want to build with you. Yeah. Like when it comes to marriage and kids and buying a house, 
Um, that three and a half years of school and not working really gets in the way. I just didn't like the idea of uprooting our lives and going to the Bay Area. And like, I'd have to quit my job. You'd have to quit yours. Yeah. It would be this huge life change that I don't know if the payoff is there. And so it's not a no, but it is a not right now. It yeah. just doesn't make sense. But I got a lot of clarity from that. I got to go do something. And it felt like there are these pivotal life moments where you're like, oh, I actually, I got some direction from that. And my direction is more towards health and wellness. But I don't know if chiropractic is for me. So I guess what was the failure? The failure was spending a lot of time researching, meeting with admissions, spending my time going over there, checking everything out. The failure itself is not having direction. I'm going to continue looking for that. But this was trying to push towards something. Yeah, I I feel like I don't necessarily see failure in that. Um, I feel like what you're doing is working towards your goal, which is finding your direction in life. And I think a lot of people can relate to that. I think the failure is not doing anything at all. Mm -hmm. So even though maybe you feel like right now that you're not where you want to be and it felt like, oh, I put all this time into researching and then, you know, I took the time to go down to the Bay Area and actually go to the event and it wasn't for me. Like, that's not a failure. Like, you took the time to do that. And you should be, yes. you should be like proud of yourself that you're putting that much effort to figuring out your direction in life. I would say I am proud of myself for doing that. It was weird and it was uncomfortable. I think it kind of pushed me outside of my comfort zone in that sense. Yeah. Um, I think more so the failure that I'm talking about is not having direction at this point in life. And my trial through that is trying to find other spots to go do that. So whether it's going and visiting chiropractic college or interviewing for a completely different like industry, mm -hmm. um, really just trying to find that. And that's not necessarily a failure. It does feel like I'm taking the right steps towards something better. And that's what I'm aspiring to do. Yeah. Well, <laughs> tell me about your failure. <laughs> Make me feel better. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm, I'm proud of you for doing that. I think the worst thing you can do is not do anything at all. Um, I think that is failing when you're just so paralyzed by maybe so many decisions that you have to make or paralyzed by not knowing your direction in life and being overwhelmed with that the worst thing you can do is not do anything at all. There's a great quote about that. Steve Harvey once said that Winston Churchill once said, <laughs> if you're going through hell, don't stop, keep going. Yeah. Okay. I'm not going through hell though. Yeah. Unless, <laughs> unless hell is like this plane of just getting by. Right. Like, eh, this isn't hell. This yeah, is no. pretty good. No, you're, I feel like we're living a great life. It's always good to come back to gratitude. Totally. But um, but don't, don't get complacent. Don't get too comfortable. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I'm talking to you. <laughs> uh, my failing forward is I, I get scammed very easily and I'm calling it scammed because I get so invested so quickly into things that I have a passionate passion for. Um, and when I'm interested in something, like I can't get rid of it. Mm -hmm. And um, sorry, I have I'm having like trouble actually explaining this because I think I'm still upset that I I got scammed into this. Um, but basically, what I got scammed into is this program called Viral Ish. Basically, what they do is uh, they help content creators make viral videos. And I heard the CEO or the founder of this company, um, her name is Adley. 
I actually have her Instagram pulled up. Adley Kinsman. You're calling her out by name. I am. I am calling her out by name because uh, she was on a podcast that I was listening to where she said she has created so many viral content videos that she wants to share her knowledge for free. And that literally this program that she's creating is for free. And so I literally followed her on Instagram. I followed the Instagram account for Viralish and I was hooked. I was waiting for their newsletter to come out. I gave them my email. Um, They said that I think it was like by the end of um, October is when they were going to come out with their first video of like how to get involved and like how to start, how to get a mentor. And I basically am like giving them, you know, all my information for them to contact me, my phone number, my email. And I finally get the email that says, okay, we're going live. And so I hop into the portal and the, the website portal is, you can't, there's not a lot of buttons. There's not really like an about page. Mm -hmm. It's just a video of her talking, but you can't skip through the video. You know, those Those videos, those are the worst videos and they, and they keep you hooked where like, you know, you like a YouTube video, you can skip to the end or maybe you can skip to the middle. You literally can't skip this video at all. And that at that point, I was like, oh, shit. And you're like, also the person who just wants the information. Yes. You're like, just give me the answers and I can bail. Right. Literally, literally give me the answers and I'm good. And, you know, she talks about this whole sob story of like this person not being able this person not being able to pay for rent um, or they got laid off for them jo- for their job and uh, they're not making enough money. And, and so this like viralish company helped them literally make $30,000 in a month. And so obviously me being super interested in like our pod, you know, or not interested, but I'm passionate about our podcast mm-hmm. and like, I would love to see it grow. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like they could help me get millions of views on our videos. Like, that would be great. And so I'm literally so locked in. And then at the very end of the video, and it was a, it was like an eight minute video. She's like, all right, scroll down to enroll. So I scroll down and it's a thousand bucks to enroll. That's for not free. The rest, exactly. For the rest of their resources, their mentorship, um, their like weekly meetings that they have with you, their how-to guides, it's a thousand dollars. So pause for a moment what was that eight minute video about it was her talking about the company and how she helped other people get to where they wanted to be with viral content her story of how she got into content creating personal testimonial personal testimonial other people's testimonials and it's like very emotion it's a sales pitch yeah it's definitely it obviously it's a sales pitch but Mm -hmm. for me I was just thinking about I'm like Like again, like I've done this, I've done this with many different things before. I literally got, there is one thing I did get free out of one of the scams and I got a free book that I haven't read. I forgot about that. Yeah. I saw that come in the mail. I was like, what book are you reading? I, know. <laughs> I still haven't read it, but yeah, but they get, they did give me a free book out of it. Um, But I just had, I was just like thinking, I'm like, why do I get so invested into this type of um? I, I'm going to call it a scam, to be completely it's a honest. get rich quick scheme. It's a, yeah, get rich quick scheme. And I think it's because I do have this attraction for instant gratification. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's the way that I've grown up, especially around technology. It's a, it is a generational thing. I think our generation is very, um, very much quick fix. 
Like, oh, I yes. can make $30,000 doing not that much, like not that much. Yeah. Oh, I can not work that hard and make $30,000 in a month. Like, yeah, I want to do that. And I think in my mind, I'm like how, you know, I want to work smarter, not harder. Mm-hmm. So anyway, right there with you. yeah. So I was just thinking, I'm like, like, have I lost my own work ethic because I want like, I not at all. Okay. No, that, that doesn't take away from your work ethic. I think everybody wants instant gratification. Everybody knows what feels good immediately. It's yeah. like, that's why we like sugar. That's why we like dopamine. We like seeing our screens. It's instant gratification right. on that. Um, I've also fallen victim to scams like that. One of my least favorite, because all these things that I have gotten roped into, I've learned from, thankfully, but they've been expensive. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, Forex, you know what that is? Mm-mm. Um, it's foreign currency exchange. And essentially it's like stock market, but for betting and shorting on other people's currencies. So you can say like, I think the US dollar is going to go down against the British pound. And if you get it right, cool, you win money. Um, and it's not winning money, but it's like a stock market. One goes up, you make money or it goes down, you lose money. Yeah. And um, I paid somebody $500 to teach me this course and give me like access to all the trading programs, and I really spent like two weeks trying to learn it, and it's all fugazi. It's nonsense. It's not legit, and I lost five hundred bucks. Oh, wait, went I down in flames. Yeah, you remember that? Yeah. I like went and met somebody at a coffee shop, which all these fucking scammers meet at coffee shops. They're like, "Yeah, let me give you my book. Sit down with me. Let me show you these programs." And so we sat down, and he teaches me some stuff. I have access to him all the time. They have like a trading group where everybody's like pinging back and forth. And um, I also see these people hit me up on Instagram. They're like bot accounts. They're not legit most of the time. But they flex like Ferraris and nice watches and stacks of cash and them traveling all over the world. And they're like, and you can be just like me. Sign up for my foreign, or, um, you know, Forex currency exchange program. Like yeah. learn how to trade like I do. So that was frustrating. And then other get rich quick things that I have just missed the boat on. Uh, I fell victim to crypto. I joined the wrong time for Dogecoin. I put a couple hundred bucks. It went up. I went, yay, I bought more. I put like a thousand bucks in there. It's worth 200 right now. So that was upsetting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, same thing with all my other crypto. It's slowly creeping back up. So I don't want to sell it and really lock in the loss. But I also get to look at that and go, wow, I was dumb. So these get rich quick schemes, I think that our generation and our age group were super easy to pick with that. Yeah. Because we're young, we don't really have the time in the game, we don't have the skin in the game. And when you do learn from those kind of processes, you also know what instant gratification can turn out to. Yeah. And it usually results in loss. Mm-hmm. So, even if maybe it's good on the front end, the back end it's not paying off. Yeah. I I feel like too with the viralish stuff, I also feel like it morally just wasn't it didn't feel right either when I kind of looked into it more because some of the videos that I saw that she creates, I mean, it's it's stupid content, you know? Like, it's it's nothing that's bringing any value of me. Mm-hmm. And They're Facebook and mom really, videos. Yeah, it, it is like that Facebook, um, yeah, Facebook mom video. Like, I, I just think that I, what I'm learning from this is that, you know, I do want to bring value of, like, entertainment, comedic relief. Um, I know that not every piece of content on the internet and social media is going to be of value. Some of it's going to be stupid. Other people are going to be thinking that's stupid. I thought it was the the content that she's posting is stupid, but maybe somebody else is like, oh, that's super funny. Ha ha. Yeah. Um, but I think for me, I'm just, I'm just realizing like, 
not realizing, but I'm just thinking about what kind of value do I want to bring to the world? What do I want to have my name attached to? And um, yeah, so I'm just figuring that out. And I think that, you know, you got to work hard. Like literally nothing is free in life and you have to put your nose to the grindstone and you got to work, you got to work for your money. Was it Kim Kardashian who was saying like, people just need to get off their ass and work? Yeah. Okay. All right. I love that quote from her. It's very inspirational. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, Well, that concludes my failing forward segment. Do you have anything to add to that? Because you didn't fail with what you just talked about. That sounds like you spent some time, but you didn't fail. Yeah. I think that the fail for me is that mindset. Mm-hmm. And I, it's a mindset that I want to change of like the, qu- the, the quick fix mindset to make more money. Obviously, I want to work smarter, not harder. But I think I, I'm figuring out what that means. Yeah. And um, so, yeah. So going forward, I, I think that those were those are really great things to learn from. Um, and it's just, you got to keep chugging. Just keep moving. Just keep moving. Forward. <laughs> nice. All right. Well, I think that wraps up this segment. So let's get into the rest of the topics. So when it comes to local news, I'd like to focus on that because a lot of the um, international news is pretty depressing right now. So I'm going to stay off that. It's not really my expertise and don't really feel like talking about Israel and Gaza at the moment. Um, We missed a very, very important holiday in Reno. Did you hear about that? It's like big. No. So it's called the biggest little fur convention. Oh. (laughs) And... um, all these furries come to Reno October 30th through November 2nd. And yeah. if you don't know what a furry is, um, look it up, preferably on a burner laptop where you don't care about getting viruses. But they're generally social outcasts that dress in furry animal costumes. And some of it's sexual. Apparently, some of it's not. I'm confused by that. I think all of it is. But I saw a lot of the people walking around um, just Reno in their full-blown getup. Yeah. And it's cartoonish. It, it looks... It's- it's very cartoonish, yeah. And it makes me so uncomfortable. I don't <laughs> like seeing it. Part of it, like, I don't like when people are wearing masks because I can't see your face. Right. So you're, when you're wearing a giant, like, raccoon head and you're walking around downtown, I'm no longer worried about my safety because I can't see your face. I'm more worried about your safety because I can't see your face. <laughs> like, it's it's a little odd and different strokes for different folks. Yeah. But, I don't know, all these creepy little critters just walking around the civilians. Makes, creepy little critters. They're creepy critters. <laughs> they give me the heebie-jeebies. I just want to know what they're doing at these conventions. Like, are they just hanging out and talking to each other? Is it a networking event? Is it... You could call it that. I think that's why I said I don't know if it's sexual or not. Yeah. Because they have these, like, ballroom conventions, and everybody gets to meet, and, like, there's sexual kinks, like fur play, where right. people dress up like that, and yeah. then, you know, go do your thing. And it's a little odd. Uh, that's why it makes me uncomfortable. Yeah. Not because somebody's in an animal costume, but because somebody is potentially aroused in an animal costume. <laughs> um, but the people who like, when they weren't in costume, you knew exactly what they were doing. They, yeah. What you would picture is like the quintessential weird social outcast, colored hair, poorly shaven, mm. little overweight. Uh, all those people, when they weren't in costume, were walking around and you could pick them out from the crowd. Mm. So... That made me radically uncomfortable. 
and I have a right to be safe personally. (laughs) (laughs) I need to feel safe. And yeah, yeah, I'm just kidding. I don't have a right to be safe. I have a right to protect myself. There's a difference. Yeah. Well, I, I remember seeing that in college, a bunch of people wearing like furry onesies, like animal onesies Mm -hmm. and um, their face painted. And I was just like, what is going on over here? I would love to interview one of them just to get an insight of I would have to go undercover. I think I would have to. You would have to dress up as a furry? I would, because I would not feel comfortable. I couldn't keep a straight face. Like, I have a pretty non-emotional, stoic face when it comes to things like that. Like, I can keep my cool. Mm -hmm. You wear your emotions on your sleeve, so we would both have to dress up like furries and then interview other furries. I would have to wear a mask. You would. (laughs) Or you could wear, like, a COVID mask so nobody could see you going. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. Um that would be fun to interview them. So I think next year, let's actually make a plan and not miss the biggest little fur con. Yeah. Because BLFC is a big deal to me. Oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah. I I feel like Reno just has some really unique events. Um, yeah. Isn't there the, like a racing event coming to town too? Racing? Like car racing? Yeah, like car racing. Uh, I don't know. I know there's Formula One that was happening in Vegas. That's a really big deal. It's been yeah. going on all over the world. They do Monaco. They do all these major cities. I know, but I feel like like they shut down car the strip. Yeah, look it up. But um, while you're pulling that up, they were doing. I don't know if it's still going on, but they had Formula One in Vegas, and they shut down in front of the strip, so all these like multi-million dollar supercars can speed down the the strip of Vegas, yeah. which is pretty cool. It reminds me of a video game, kind of like Need for Speed. I don't know. I'm feeling pretty heavy from my weekend that I just had mm-hmm. because I went to a fundraiser event held by the nonprofit organization Awaken. They are a faith-based nonprofit organization, um, basically on a mission to eradicate commercial sexual exploitation. And it was the most moving event that I have ever been to. I walked away feeling so um, just so emotional, so passionate. And I do feel a moral obligation that I want to share it on our podcast, but I also feel like I need to, you know, make some, make some announcements to even the University of Nevada, Reno. It's a big deal. Um, but. Well, what'd you learn at this, this event, this gala? What was it about? Um, well, basically, I mean, exactly what I said, like their mission is to eradicate commercial sexual exploitation. So they were raising money for their nonprofit organization, which is basically kind of like a safe house for victims of sexual of sex trafficking here in Reno. Mm-hmm. Um, and in their safe house, they have resources and education and protection for the victims. Um, and they basically help them integrate back into life. So. I learned that sex trafficking is obviously heavily prevalent in Reno, Mm -hmm. but I also just learned a lot about like how, um, the porn industry and, um, even the brothels here, uh, contribute to that. Well, it's, it's a heavy topic. And when you host an event like that in Reno, we're in a state where we're actually the only state apparently where we have legal prostitution. Yeah. The only state in the U S with legal prostitution. And you visited a brothel in college. Mm -hmm. And this is something that you've been so impassioned about since visiting. And 
over the weekend, like you've completely done a 180 on your opinion of brothels. Yeah. So I think that's, yeah, I think that's where I want to start is Mm -hmm. even in our, in our episode when we just moved here, Mm -hmm. I literally talk about that experience on the podcast positively. Right. Because that has been my mindset because of my exposure from, from touring the brothel and from interviewing five of the prostitutes from the Bunny Ranch and Mustang Ranch and hearing from their mouths their positive experience, you know, working in that environment. Mm -hmm. And I think for me, I definitely have a very open heart. I have a very open mind. Um, And I think it, it, it has allowed me to like really connect with a lot of people, but I think it's also made me very, um, uh, vulnerable to, uh, being manipulated too. There's a word for that. It's called gullible or gullible. Yeah. yeah. Um, but with that said, so my experience, I'll kind of reiterate, I took a class at UNR where it was a communications class. It was centered around, uh, stigma. Mm-hmm. So basically we would expose ourselves to different groups of people that had a negative stigma f- to them. And one of those groups of people being in Reno was prostitution and prostitutes. So part of the class, this wasn't the entirety of the class. Like I also volunteered at step two, which is um, an organization that helps mothers who are, uh, you know, um, mothers who are recovering from addiction to keep their kids and recover with them in the same place. And then I also volunteered at the homeless shelter. So it was, it was definitely a class that like opened up my mind and did expose me to groups of people that I don't normally interact with. But towards the end of the class, we um, were on the topic of prostitution. So we got to tour the Mustang ranch um, and we interviewed Uh, We had a panel interview with the five prostitutes, again, from Bunny Ranch and Mustang Ranch. So first, going to um, the brothel, the Mustang Ranch brothel, uh, it was extremely protected. You literally, you know, you drive in, you have so many guards with their shotguns and... Sounds like uh, prison. Yeah. I mean, basically, imagine prison, but just more Nevada style. Uh, but you do have to like give your ID. You have to, you know, kind of check in. Um, they write all of your contact information down. Um, but literally, you know, there's like 30 of us going with our professor. So it's just car after car after car. We all get in. We're Hold on for a moment. If any of the prostitutes were looking out the window, they were probably like, cha-ching. Just seeing dollar signs. Maybe, you see that yeah. many oh. cars pull up to the yeah, brothel. You don't like, know that. It's them. a class touring. Yeah. yeah. You're just like, let's go. Like, I came on the right day. Yeah. But. Uh, Alas, no money from you. No, no, not at all. <laughs> but yeah, so we all get in. We're greeted by the madam. Um, she basically kind of goes over some rules before we go in. I can't remember like verbatim what exactly happened. I just kind of remember scene by scene. But we're greeted by her. Uh, I, you know, observing like the actual property itself, there is like the main brothel, the main building or the main house. Um, that's where the bar is. Um, that's where you would meet all the girls. And then you're taken into the courtyard where there's like pools and hot tubs. And then there's like a slew of, you can kind of imagine it like a motel um, where the first floor is like all of these different rooms. 
like fantasy suites from yeah but they're all standard like they're all standard kind of like fantasy suite first like one level okay and then on the other side of the courtyard is like all these like fancier townhomes you could say where those like had themed rooms okay that's what i was picturing when i said fantasy suites yeah so anyway so we walk in like uh you know you walk in and it, it it did it was clean um, which is just not what I was expecting, right? Like you literally hear how like gross it is and needles are everywhere. And so, you know, first things first, like my mind completely got, I'm like, oh, like that's one debunk. Like, you know, that's happening right in front of me. And I, stigma's been debunked immediately. Yeah, exactly. So, um, it was like, you know, super clean when we walked in, um, definitely the same, like it would be the same vibe that you would imagine from a brothel, like the velvet chairs and the velvet booths and like the old style, like, you know, Western bar. Mm-hmm. Um, very saloony. Yeah, very saloon. So that was, you know, all pretty much what I had expected. But then they take you through like the standard rooms. Mm-hmm. Um, there's showers in them, uh, you know, the bed. And they say that all of their clients have to get tested beforehand. They say there's never been a client that has walked out with um, with an STD in all of the ranches. And, um, yeah, so then, you know, they say that they have to shower. They have to clean themselves. Um, and then that's where they have a conversation and they're intimately talking and exploring like, okay, well, what do you like and what are you into and what's, you know, making sure that they're on the same page. Kind of setting the ground rules of yeah. what you're going into with that encounter. Right, right. Um, and so they're making it seem like it's very conversational. It's like, it's safe. You get to choose your client. Like it's, you know, everyone's on the same page. It's all, it's all in good fun. Like you're having fun. Like, And when you say choose your client, you're talking about the, like the sex women. buyer. The purchaser of services is the client. Is right? the client, yes. Okay, yeah. But that the girls also have to say yes to that. It has to be a match. So this is, okay, so I'm telling you this because that's what I'm being educated on. That's what they're telling me from the horse's mouth. So anyway, <laughs> we go through, you know, this the horse. whole brothel. I'll kind of like skip everything because I I don't need to explain every single detail of it. But they had panic buttons for safety um, which is also, it's like, well, why is it getting to the point where they would have to have a panic button? Right. Like, well, that's a, that's a necessary safety. It is a necessary safety that, for sure. I mean, I understand like, yeah, you don't want to have to use a panic button yeah. ever, but for the, I think just the climate of what you're doing work-wise, that makes sense to have yeah. a panic button. Yeah. And they said, once you hit the panic button, a guard is there within seconds. Mm-hmm. Like they have them literally scoured everywhere. So um yeah and then you go through like oh you can choose your room like choose your own adventure and we literally had seen a girl working with her client like she was like in the hot tub with him and they were just chatting like it wasn't wasn't anything like gross or anything it was just like they were literally just hanging out in the hot tub so I think my overall experience is just like it was nothing what it had you know it just is nothing what I thought it was. Yeah. I just felt like most of the things that I thought it was got debunked while I was there. So it did change my mind. And, you know, when you're hearing from the madam how they protect their girls and how they have a, they, they can leave whenever they want. They sign a contract and they negotiate their pay. And, like, it seems like there's a lot of choice in this field and in this profession. That's what they're making it out to be. And then when we were interviewing the girls, um, you know, the number one, <laughs> the number one prostitute in Nevada. And by um, number one, you mean highest earning? Yeah. Highest okay. earning prostitute in Nevada. Um, she was one of the girls. She's from the B- Bunny Ranch. 
And she, you know, she's talking about how some of her clients that she worked with, um, it's about, you know, educating them on sex. So maybe it's a couple that comes in and they want to learn a little bit more about, you know, you know, whatever, how to have sex with each other. And so she teaches them about- I'm willing to bet $100,000 that I don't even have that that was not the girl's idea in the couple. Right. Like, honey, let's go to the brothel and learn how to have yeah, sexual relations. Right? Absolutely Yeah, not. so she said that her only okay. job in that was to literally teach them how to be intimate with each other, which is total bullshit. It probably was a threesome. <laughs> then, <laughs> um, second, she said that she had another client that literally had never had a girlfriend before. He didn't really know how to talk to girls, and, like, you know, this was his chance to really understand how to be with a girl um, and how to be intimate. And so, she, you know, whatever. Whatever. Same song and dance from all the other girls too. Like literally the same story is what they gave. Almost like a scripted version yes. of like, here's the beautiful benefits of having a right. brothel in your community. Yeah, exactly. So sign up today. Right, yeah. But at the time, I didn't know that it was a freaking sales pitch. Like at the time, I was so convinced that I was like, oh my gosh, this is nothing how it seemed. And I thought I was like, the class is working. Like I, my mind has been changed. Like I'm going to tell everyone about how prostitution is really not that bad. <laughs> like I, and when I am, you know, passionate about something, I do speak very positively and emotionally mm -hmm. towards it. And I do tell people about it. So I, I feel a little bit, um, you know, I just, I, I feel manipulated a little bit because I imagine in that time frame, you know, when they are speaking about how much that they've earned and how they were able to buy a house and a car and how they were able to pay for their own education, they're literally preying on some girl in my class being vulnerable in a financial situation or maybe being vulnerable emotionally. She doesn't have the support from her family um, or whatever it is. And she feels like this is her way to make a life for herself. This is her quick fix. Yeah. You know, and maybe she, you know, maybe she doesn't actually want to, you know, you know, sell her body, but she's doing it strictly for the money. What she doesn't know, what that girl doesn't know, what they did not explain to us, which is what I learned at this event, is that there is so much violence and rape and the possibility, like a very high chance of you getting sex trafficked. And sex trafficking is different than legal prostitution. Mm -hmm. It is. There is a clear distinction. There's a very clear, uh, yeah, clear distinction. But it does kind of lapse into the gray area where some girls get trafficked into brothels and into right. state-regulated prostitution from traffickers. Right. Yeah. Right. So, um, yeah, I want to kind of share some statistics about this because um, I feel like it can just, this is what I learned. Studies have shown that 71% of prostituted women are physically assaulted on the job. That number was not explained to me when we interviewed the women or at the brothel. 68% experience post-traumatic stress at the same levels as combat veterans and victims of torture. And 89% wish to escape prostitution. All of those make a lot of sense numbers-wise, just because psychologically, I cannot imagine selling your body and doing that. I don't know how many clients they see on a weekly basis, but that is a lot on the psyche it's a lot on the body and ultimately a lot on the soul mm -hmm. so i can imagine the trauma that comes up with that 
And I can also imagine the wanting to get out of it. But if you are financially irresponsible, for example, um, it's very easy to just kind of pay your bills and keep keep staying in that same space. Yeah. And I can see how girls can almost feel trapped in that environment where they, you know, have accumulated so many bills or maybe they have so much debt to pay off. And they're also living life outside of the brothel mm -hmm. where the money that's coming in is going just as fast as it's going out. Yeah. And it's not benefiting them. It's just kind of tearing them down. Yeah. Um, yeah, the, they really, I think the, the women that do go in because they are doing it strictly for the money, what I'm learning is that, you know, they are being manipulated by the madam or a pimp. Or a panel interview basically giving a sales pitch to college kids. Right. Like, they, if you don't, if you don't understand the full uh, scope of an industry that you are getting in, then yeah, you might look at just the positives and that might be your only reason for getting into something like that, mm -hmm. which is, you know, what it was. But what I'm most upset about is that my professor did not, and Awaken has been an organization in Reno since 2011. They've like they, they were, they have been around. They were, they were here when I had that class. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like it is the professor's responsibility to paint the entire picture if you're going to get into an industry like that. Because I'm telling you that marketing <laughs> for real estate, uh, those numbers that I just uh, stated mm -hmm. are significantly <laughs> lower. <laughs> Wait, what you're telling me is that prostitutes <laughs> are more in danger of workplace violence than somebody in marketing? Right. <laughs> I would never have guessed. But that's what I'm, I, I'm just trying to, to say, like, this is such an intense and um, extreme industry to be in. And there's a lot of terrible things that can happen to you. And so for my professor to have exposed this side of prostitution and painted, and it's not, it's, it's not necessarily what she's painting, but mm -hmm. she's providing other people to paint this picture of this industry. Without counterbalancing it. Without, exactly, without the counterbalance and without creating the whole picture. So I would have loved if that is what we were, you know, what we did of touring the brothel and interviewing five prostitutes. I would have loved for a victim of sex trafficking to come and share their story. And like what I heard this past weekend. Mm -hmm. Um. Because I feel like women that don't know the full picture that there is rape and that there is violence, um, and, you know, it's just like, I, I, I just feel like how, like I would, I would want to know that. Mm -hmm. I would have want, you know, if I, let's, I mean, with how I felt after that class, you were fired up. I was fired up, but I have grown up in a very positive support system with my own family. Mm -hmm. I was in a loving relationship with you at the time or like <laughs> still am. But no, yeah, still am. But like, you know, at the time like we were in a solid committed relationship. Like I wasn't strapped for money, mm -hmm. but I was fired up and I was pumped about it and I was like, "Hell yeah, like this is a great like why not? You know, let these girls do what they're going to do. Like good for them. Like it's their whatever." And I, I am still battling with this, like, you know, we, with this human right, like you did, you, you get to choose what you do with your body, mm -hmm. but I'm also like, know the full story, know the full picture of what you're getting into. Well, there is a lot of gray area 
like there's moral right and wrong for me of I would never want to prostitute, be prostituted, be a sex buyer. I would never want my daughter or my wife or anybody that I love and care about to do that. Yeah. But as somebody who loves individual freedoms and supports people doing what they want to do, if you're an informed and educated adult, I think you should be able to consent to doing what you want with your own body. Yeah. As long as you are informed. But that's where I get torn is that I don't think what was presented to you guys in your class was totally informed. It was half of the story. Right. Where if you were to bring in somebody like Awaken and you can show both sides of like, here's legal state regulated clean brothels. And then there's people getting taken off the street or getting tricked into basically being sold. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a very wide range where there's horrific atrocities going on and somebody who's paying their bills. Yeah. And my heart leans more towards, no, that's not okay. But it's also not my place to tell somebody, you can't do what you want with your body if that is your choice. And what you had mentioned from the gala was they talked a lot more about coercion and how, you know, some girls get coerced into these situations where they're made to feel like there is no other option. Mm-hmm. That's the the danger that, you know, you can see that with how things are presented to the public by government. Yeah. And you can see how that's done to you at work. You can see how that's done. It pops up and it rears its ugly head in many different avenues. But when you feel coerced is usually a huge red flag where you should exit, period. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I think I'm still kind of hashing out my feelings on brothels. Like I I don't support it. I don't want to financially support it. But I don't think it's my place to tell somebody that you can't have sex for money. Yeah. Especially for those who don't have access to it. Like incels, involuntarily celibate people. Um, those are people that no one wants to have sex with. And... People who fall into that category of person are usually bitter and unhappy. They don't really feel as whole. They don't have that level of intimacy with people. That's not good for mental health. Mm -hmm. Like if somebody's horrifically disabled or maybe they're just really, really odd, it's like, "Eh, I don't don't want to. I'm good. Um, I think they should be able to go and pay for sex as a service. I think that that's fair. It needs to be well-regulated. It needs to be safe for both parties involved. But I don't think that it's something to be celebrated. I don't necessarily think that it's something to be, I still think it should be looked down upon and stigmatized a little bit, honestly. Yeah, I think the the problem is that there is this illusion that you do have a choice in the matter even when you're there. But from the people's story that I listened to this last weekend, um, or actually I can kind of just share her story because she did make the choice to go into the strip club and um, uh, be a legal prostitute. A legal or an illegal? A legal. Okay. Um, prostitute, but she basically had been sexually abused like her whole life growing up. Um, and she got to a point where when when her family ended up moving to Reno, um, she was working at a grocery store making eleven dollars an hour, and her roommate was coming home making a thousand dollars a night. Um, she's like she was making what I was making in a month in one night. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously that's very like alluring and attractive. Um, and so she was like, you know what, if I'm getting sexually abused with my body, I might as well get paid for it. So she started stripping and, um, in the club, she said that there was illegal prostitution going on in the background. Oh wait. So then maybe she was doing it illegally. Um, to Unless be honest. You- Went to a brothel, yeah. and yeah, it's, you're not legally allowed to have sex at a strip club. 
Yeah. So maybe it was, okay. So this, so basically what was happening is, um, you know, obviously you can't, yeah, it's, it's illegal to do it at a strip club, but what people would do is pay a house fee of $500 and give it to the front. They would choose the, one of the strippers that they wanted to have sex with and they would get to take home a girl that night. In Reno? In Reno. At, mm. In one of the strip clubs there. I happen to have a hunch of which one it is because yeah. there's one that literally has a hotel connected to it, uh, yeah. which seems like quite the setup. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Right. So, yeah. So basically, like, they pay the fee. They choose their girl. The, the, again, the girl does not, like, get a choice in this matter. Like, the the strip club at that point is like pimping them out Mm. and they obviously get like um that's dark yeah it's super dark and so anyway so she said that there would be nights that you know girls would leave and one of three things would happen they would either be found in a dumpster not come back at all and the best case scenario is that they come back with black and blue eyes and so you know it's again it's it's not a very safe um industry to be in it's not. Um, and so any anyway, I mean, I, I am not an expert in this field, and I am obviously speaking very emotionally on this matter, but I just felt this obligation, this moral obligation that I do need to share. Like, my perspective on this has completely changed, and I do not believe that prostitution is a positive profession to be in, to be in at all. Um and I, I think that we need to bring more awareness to sex trafficking and stop it. Well, it's, it's important that you also say that you've changed your mind. Because I think in our previous episodes talking about this, we still had like a positive aptitude towards it. Yeah. We're like the wild, wild west. Like, woo! yeah, fuck yeah. Re- like, you know, <laughs> finger pointing guns. Like, that's just, I don't know. There's, there's something about the wild, wild, wild west culture that has also, I think, um, brainwashed generations of people who have lived in Nevada. Let me rephrase that. Um, I don't think that that's necessarily wrong or true, but... Prostitution has been legal in Nevada for 50 years. So there have been generations of, of families in Nevada that have basically normalized prostitution. They do not think that it is bad. It's been legal for 50 years. It's been active for about 200. Right. So ever since people came out and started mining silver and gold and going out west, that was a thing. That was part of a saloon experience. It was like you had basically a brothel. It was a hotel. You could get drinks and you could get women. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of hung around. And it was seedy and it was kind of creepy and off to the side of the roads a lot of the time. And I think you said 50 years it's been legal. 50 years it's been legal in Nevada. Okay. So they legalized it so that the state could get tax money off of it, basically. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm understanding. But it seems like it was kind of a hush-hush, you know it's happening, but turn the other cheek, or a blind eye, I should say. But (laughs) they're turning cheeks. (laughs) Uh, But I don't know. I think it's, it's good and it's okay to change your mind on something, especially something that has really negative shit going on behind it. Yeah. Like that's, that is important for people to know about. And I like that you're really, really, you're excited about reaching out to UNR, about getting one of your professors involved and just saying, hey, you're only showing half the side of the story. And you're almost kind of like luring girls into this world if you don't provide the full picture. 
And how terrible would that be if if they were preying on vulnerability of someone not being able to financially pay for their college or they're like, oh my gosh, I'm so much debt and I'm taking this class. Fuck me. Like, yeah, I'm going to go prostitute. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because I mean, but how terrible would it be if that girl got into it and it's nothing at all like they painted it to be? Mm-hmm. And where is she today? That's you know, it's just like, I, I again, I, I am battling with, you know, I, I want women. I, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of like processing my own thoughts, like as we're talking about it. And mm-hmm. I think I will continue to be processing my own thoughts about it. But I feel like this third wave of feminism has also um, contributed to how we view prostitution and stars and 100% all of that. Um and I've just been kind of like, you know, I've been doing my own research on it and I've been really trying to figure out like how do I feel about this because I do believe that women should take control of their own sexuality and they should feel beautiful and they should appreciate their body. Um and, you know, like they should take that control back. I don't I don't think that it's right that men have objectified women for mm-hmm. most of our existence. And right. yeah. um I can see that. Yeah. So I, but I, I feel like this, you know, this, this movement right now of us, you know, especially with like OnlyFans and like how we even post pictures on Instagram. Well, um, you say we, but you don't really do that. That's part of I mean, of I have posted like, you know, risque. Uh, like risque, like I went in a swimsuit before with my stomach showing and like, I, I, okay. Let me, not hypersexualized. Like but not, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm not really one to do. That's just not my style. But, you know, I don't want I've, I've come from a place where I'm like, I don't want to be super judgmental of people who are doing that because they're they're proud of their body. Mm-hmm. They want to show it off. And I'm like, yeah, like you've worked you've worked hard for your body, like your body, your choice, your body, your choice. Exactly. But I think that that mindset is like that. That is OK to have. But I think it's it's when you start objectifying yourself, which is the opposite of what we want to be doing. It's when we start to put ourselves we start to like dehumanize ourselves a little bit well there's feminism has great qualities the first and second waves made a lot of sense it took you know i don't know how many years but basically women wanted a voice and a right to vote push the ball forward awesome women wanted to enter the workplace you start to see some untangling of family values but women working is a good thing in my opinion yeah. um i think specifically being able to provide as like a family is ideal. And especially if you want to start planning a family, if both parties are working, awesome. Mm -hmm. Makes it a lot easier to do that faster. But third wave feminism has been predominantly centered around gender and sexual liberation. Mm -hmm. And there's so much that you hear and it's kind of nonsense issues. And the reason I say it's nonsense issues is because many of them don't actually apply to most people. They're individual case by case basis. And what I see is, you know, the right to abortion. You see OnlyFans. You see hypersexualization of children. You see them talking about sex and gender younger and younger and younger in schools. And that's where it ceases to be about, I mean, feminism at its core is about supporting and empowering women, right? Mm-hmm. And with that also comes kind of creating the safety for women. Yeah. That seems to be taken away when you allow men into female spaces. That seems to be hindered when you start objectifying women with things like OnlyFans. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and it normalizes sex work. It normalizes like for a hundred dollars, you can see my feet, but for $200, guess what else you can see? And that gets weird. Yeah. Um, I'm part of what attracted me to you, honestly, was when I was stalking your Instagram, cause I thought you were hot. <laughs> I noticed that you don't post provocative photos like that. Yeah. You might have the occasional like Harris me in a bathing suit, but it's not like overly sexualized. And I recognize that in our age group, that's a very common thing for people to do. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you're different because you respect yourself in a way that you don't want to put that out there. And I appreciate that. Yeah. It's, it's not necessarily something where I judge others for doing it. I don't really think lesser of people for doing it. Yeah. But it's just something that was more attractive to me because I know that like when somebody else puts a lot of their body out there, everybody's seeing that. Yeah. It's no longer special. It's not that intimate. Like we share this. It's no longer that. It's I'm sharing this with like 3,000 followers right. and you also get to see it. Mm-hmm. I'm not into that. Yeah. So that was that was me on my soapbox for a moment. Sorry. No, um, it's okay. I think that, I think like everything that you shared is completely valid and true about like the first wave of feminism, second wave, and now like what we're in is sexual liberation. And I agree. Like I, I, I do feel like it's important for women to stand up for themselves and to appreciate their own body and to love their own body um, and to feel sexy, like, but to feel sexy because you feel sexy, not because a man is, you know, looking at you and being like, <gasps> like, oh, drooling. yeah, drooling, like, oh my God, you're so hot. Like, I, I don't know. I just feel like, I also feel like we're in this battle too, where like, you know, I do see a lot more women encouraging each other and empowering each other. Like that's, I think that's what we need to be focusing on. Um, but again, it's like, I think we all also need to remember that like what we're trying to get away from is like objectifying ourselves. Like mm-hmm. we don't want to be in that because what that ultimately does is that does lead to violence and that leads to rape. Um, and, and, single and, and the, and and the extreme of families. it, I am talking, yeah. I'm talking about the extreme of it. Yeah. Um, but on the lesser extremes, it leads to single motherhood. It leads to fractured families. It leads mm-hmm. to broken homes and kids that don't have a father in the picture. Yeah. And that does nothing good for society long-term. Like, yes, single mothers that are strong and powerful and capable, obviously you support that. It's not a bad thing. Yeah. But to willfully kind of tear down, like, family values is where you start to see the unraveling of our culture. Yeah. And it's not healthy. Nobody wins when that happens. No. So it's – I understand where it's like that sexual empowerment, I can do this, I am strong. That is all great and important and valid. But people should also look at how does this benefit the family dynamic? And if you don't want to have a family dynamic, that's your prerogative. That's totally fine. Yeah. It just shows that people tend to live happier, healthier lives when they do have all of that. Right. So I don't know. I don't like what I see. I don't like what I see in our age group. I don't like what I see in the age group above us. And I have low hopes for the age group below us with that. It doesn't look good at the moment. Yeah. I mean, I don't want it to be all like doom and gloom but sometimes that's just how it is and I've just felt very heavy from the event this week but um, I have drafted up a letter that I am going to be sending to one of my other professors from UNR that I saw at the event Mm -hmm. um, which I think was just a total like universe like putting us together for this reason Um, but I'm drafting up a letter to him to just let him know what my experience was at UNR 
and to ask if he knows if this is happening or if he can find out if this is happening. I've definitely thought about reaching out because I looked up on the website, on the faculty page for the communication studies uh, department and the teacher that did, or the professor that was there that was teaching that class is still there. Um, and, and she was a great teacher. Like, I don't want to take anything away from her as a professor. I just am very curious on like why that class was held the way that it, it was the first of its kind. Like my class was the first class to take that specific class. So I know, I, I know it didn't happen before me, but I don't know if it happened after me. And also, it's a good question. I do want to point out that the whole, I think the whole reason that we were even able to tour the brothel and like even talk to the prostitutes is because my TA that was in that class, we found out was a prostitute at the Bunny Ranch. And I don't know if I mentioned that in the last episode, but, um, you know, she was in her master's and this was, I think, part of her dissertation, I'm pretty sure, because she was in the class teaching it with my professor. Damn. And she what she was literally the reason we found out is because somebody in class, which is a point that I want to make, a classmate of mine of mine looked up the bunny ranch, mm-hmm. looked up the girls, and found RTA. So if one person was interested in seeing what the what the menu was mm-hmm. there, imagine all the other people that maybe didn't say something that also looked it up. So I just want to put that out there. But I think going forward, um, if you are looking to donate this season, I would highly recommend donating donating to Awaken. Um, I am going to be putting the link in this podcast episode so you can find it. If you're listening on Spotify or iTunes, you can just find it in the episode details. Um, And I'm also going to be putting a link on our Your Favorite Locals uh, Instagram account. So you can find it all there, but again, they are a faith-based nonprofit organization. Their mission is to eradicate commercial sexual exploitation. Um, they have a focus on providing housing and education and holistic restoration services, and it's basically to help women reclaim their lives and build brighter futures. So, hell yeah, I love it. Yeah, I think we can um, wrap this one up. I will definitely update. Uh, our listeners on how it goes with me um, reaching out to UNR. So TBD. TBD. Awesome. All right. Now we're going to move into a segment called Q&A from you, the listeners. Um, these questions are coming from my friend Alex, Alex H. And we're going to play a little, little bit of a... Um, I don't know, answering on the fly, so to speak. Yeah, I didn't really even, I need to reread. That's okay, I have them written down. Um, So, from Alex H. I don't have a shitty car and I learned to drive in the snow, but I get the vibe as an outsider that I'm not always welcome at all times of the year and want to respect locals. What are the best local experiences for tourists to visit and when should they visit? Did you say that I have a shitty car? I don't have a shitty okay, car, yeah, and he learned okay. to drive in the snow. Okay. But he gets the vibe that he's not always welcome at all times of the year yeah. and wants to be respectful to locals. So it's a two-part question. What are the best local experiences for tourists to visit, and when should they visit? 
I was just going to say something that I thought a Trekkie local would say. Don't? Yeah, <laughs> just don't. Not uh, the case. Not the case at all. <laughs> no. Well, you, and I mean, obviously we're Reno locals now, but living in Truckee for the last three years and also just getting to know the locals there, people that have been there for five years, 10 years, 20 years, whatever, um, I would say, and I'm going to be like the worst local right now, and I'm I'm going to give away some local secrets, but fall time is the best time for locals because everybody is, uh, you know, going back to school and no one really can come up and visit because their kids are back in school. So there's not a lot of like vacations happening. Um, So I would remain to not come during the fall. Uh, which is kind of like the end of summer into mm-hmm. fall season. September, October. Um, yeah. Like, you get an Indian summer and it's warm in October. Yeah. That's that's the time where all the locals are like, oh, we can go outside. Like downtown's not crowded. Right. We can go float the river it's, if it's still like warm enough. Yeah. So I would say like September, yeah. October, um, yeah, it's probably not, not a time to come. I think a lot of locals just want to keep that as a locals summer. Um, but I mean, honestly, it's, I, I feel like it's really hard because, you know, I, a lot of the business owners do rely on the tourism. It's Mm -hmm. not like the people that are in the community can fully fund all the businesses there. They can't. Um, we need tourism. So yeah. So like tourism is definitely needed. Mm -hmm. Um, and I wouldn't have that necessarily stray you away from coming at any time of the year. I think it's just being respectful and that's anywhere you go right you know like i i i definitely i know the hardcore locals that will literally be on trails and be like you know like spitting on people like get get out of here like they don't actually spit on people no they don't but i just like imagine this one person i'm thinking of that that would do that but i i think it's just being respectful Mm -hmm. i think it's cleaning up after yourself so like if you are going to go camping or if you are going to hang out by the lake or if you are going to be on the trails like keep your trash with you like don't throw it out in nature like like that's the biggest thing is like don't litter yeah um we want to preserve the land we want it to be uh we want you know generations and generations to be able to enjoy lake tahoe so take care of it you Um, are echoing the same sentiments that i had to that yeah um when it comes to tahoe it is awesome all year round during i don't know winter and spring you get the best skiing around here i love squaw and alpine um, if you're actually good at shredding, if you're not go to North star and hang out with the family, they have really good hot cocoa. Uh, but if you are going to come up during the winter or the spring and it is dumping snow, please slow down. Don't be the reason that I 80 gets shut down. Cause we kind of rely on that for supplies to get into not just Reno, but also Truckee and Tahoe and the entire area. Um, well, they, yeah, they have to go through there to get right, to Reno. Right. So. And when they don't, they can still take other highways to Reno, but yeah. Truckee in that area gets blocked in. Right. So we experienced that a couple times where, you know, I-80 was shut down for a few days due to accidents. And then all of a sudden stores are sold out. Right. You can't get milk. You can't get eggs. We're running out of gas. Yeah. Everybody's filling up their generators. Like we went through that. Mm-hmm. And so if you are a tourist visiting Tahoe specifically, not Reno, but Tahoe in the winter and you are staying up there for like a week, buy what you're going to use. Um, that's a big one. I think that people overbuy. Yeah. And kind of buy like their regular grocery shopping. When they do shut down the freeways and you can't get goods, the locals are like, hey, this is an issue. Mm-hmm. Like, 
I don't know if I can make it to Reno and back to go restock. And yeah. there's nothing in Safeway. There's nothing in Rayleigh's. Like, they're sold through. Um, you want to know what my mom does for that? What is that? She will shop at Trader Joe's in the Bay Area or, like, in uh, like in Roseville area. And she makes sure that, like, it's all refrigerated in her mm-hmm. car. But she'll get groceries before she comes up. Yeah, it's smart. And then she, you know, she has groceries for, you know, however long she's staying, like, a couple days or the entire week. But... Um, I always thought that was really smart and I'm like, and you're getting the food that you want because we don't, I mean, Trader Joe's is in Reno, but if you can't make it to Reno, then you are stuck with Safeway or Rayleigh's one in Truckee and, um, or smart and final. <laughs> yeah. So I would just bring your own food, honestly. Like I, I think that's really smart. Yeah. Um, and then when it comes to summer, summer is amazing in Tahoe. Awesome hiking. The lake is beautiful. Everybody knows that. Um, don't litter is the biggest thing. Like, don't be an asshole. Everybody loves the lake. Everybody loves the area. Keep the mountains beautiful. Keep them wild. And don't put trash out there. If you are on your way up to Tahoe and you see that the sky is gray and orange with smoke, I would actually say don't go. Um, Reason being, nobody was able to get out of South Lake for the longest time when we had those major fires. Traffic does not help that. And so if you don't live there already and you're going there and kind of doing tourism when it's super smoky out, you are posing the risk of other people needing to get out at the same time when people are probably already packing to try and like evacuate. Yeah. So not a good time to go if there's a lot of smoke in the air. Um, if a major fire does break out, there's a bunch of different things that you can follow. CHP Truckee is one of them. Um, but they give you live updates of what's going on in the area. Super helpful. So if it's a little fire, I'm not telling you don't come. But that is something to consider. And that uh, would be like Truckee Tahoe area. Right. For Reno, I think you should visit any time of the year. <laughs> I they think, have four real seasons. Yeah. Hey, we live here. Yeah. We we. I, we have four real seasons. <laughs> and um, I feel like there's something to do every season. Mm-hmm. And you can also fly in. So if you don't want to drive uh, through 80 and like get stuck and be an asshole on the road, if it's snowing, then fly fly um we have a international airport reno tahoe international airport so and you can gamble there <laughs> you, you can gamble there yes it's like you're but you get off the plane welcome to nevada here's slot machines immediately yeah. um i do love that we have four real seasons like we're in real fall right now colors yeah. are changing it's beautiful got a little rain this week um reno always has something going on during the summers it can get really really hot yeah winter is usually mild here um far more mild compared to Tahoe. But I don't know, doing things like the Reno rib cook-off is really fun. Hot August nights is really fun. The furry convention. I don't know about that. (laughs) I haven't been yet, but I'd love to go. Uh, But we have fun nightlife. It ranges from trashy to classy. Yeah. Um, And we also, I feel like have a lot more comedians coming into town. We do. We have a lot of comics coming in. Yeah. And so you can actually, because Reno is like not the most popular place to visit. Right. Airbnbs are relatively cheap, pretty easy to do when you have a group of four. And you can buy your tickets, or you can stay at a hotel, have a good time. But it's we're attracting a lot of big comedians recently, and yeah. I'm stoked about it. Um, another question from Alex. I'm sure many ideas come about for the podcast that maybe could work, but by the end of it, the muse had left. How do you decide when it's time to adjust your approach, pivot, or decide to start with something new? And then expand on knowing when it's time to make a change in a creative project. Yeah, that's a that's like great, really thoughtful question. So thank you, Alex. I really appreciate that you've been listening mm-hmm. <laughs> to our episodes and 
um, that you took the time to even write this. So um, I appreciate you. I feel like um, I, I do have a lot of thoughts to this question. We pray to the muse every episode, every time we're getting into a creative, um, into a creative space. But when the muse ends up leaving, I think it's important to not force it Mm -hmm. because I think that's where, you know, like your not your best work will come out of that. So I do feel like there is, it's, it's always showing up and being ready to be creative and to put effort towards it. But if it leaves you, that is okay. And I think it's time that you like do something else with your time. Um, just because, yeah, when you, when you force something like it's, it's honestly going to be a waste of time. That's just what I've experienced with us when we try to force doing a podcast. Like I am telling you, there are many podcast episodes that we've recorded that will never be released and they're fully deleted. They're going to be in the archives forever. I guess that means they're not fully deleted, but anyway, they're gone. Um, they are gone. And it's because we tried to force something when we weren't like, we weren't with it. We were either too tired or we weren't prepared enough. Um, and I think that's where like with the muse, like you just, you show up as your best self for your creative project. So come prepared, um, you know, come fully caffeinated and hydrated and well-fed. Um, you know, if you, if your best self is after working out, make sure that you're working out, like take care of yourself, um, and show up professionally. Like that's when the muse truly will come. And it's, it's, it's almost like, I hate to use this, but it's kind of like a reward system. It's like if you're putting in the effort into yourself and and you come to the table professionally, like I think the muse is like, all right, let's let's partner together. Like let's make something happen. But if you're not and you're just forcing something mm-hmm. that like putting a, a was a square peg into a round hole, like mm-hmm. it's just it's never going to happen. So I think you have to be OK with walking away from your creative project, too. I agree with that. Yeah, we've we've scrapped probably twice as many episodes as if we've ever ever released. Yeah. And I think deciding to move on to something new is always painful for one of us. Yeah. Because usually you and I one of us will have like a great sound bite mm-hmm. or like something super funny or yeah. insightful and we're really stoked to try and share that. Yeah. And the other person is just bombing. Like can't put sentences together. That was me yesterday. Mm-hmm. And it was unfortunate, but it was making that kind of executive decision of like, I know I'm not coming to the table prepared. I know that I'm not caffeinated. I'm tired. My energy isn't there. It's not going to be as good. Yeah. And so honestly, being able to work together on this and have that kind of understanding of like, this isn't going to be as good as it could. Yeah. That's been so helpful, uh, mainly for pivoting because it's not totally walking away from something. It's just returning to it later. Um, Other than that, when it comes to adjusting our approach, that's a frequent conversation. That's something you and I do. We have like meetings on it where we're talking about what's our direction? What are we actually focusing on? What are we trying to do here? And we're still hammering that out. Yeah. And I think that's okay. I think as long as you keep working towards your goals every day and you keep showing up every day, like you will get closer and closer to that routine and that rhythm. And like, again, like the reward of- the muse. Yeah. Um, I think people who don't regularly take place in the creative process 
are a lot like people who call you only needing something and not even asking, how are you? What's going on? Mm -hmm. How can I help you? And when you do that to the muse, I don't think you'll be rewarded with creative genius or creative ideas. Um, You do have to put in the work. It's like going to the gym. Even when you have a bad workout, you keep showing up, you keep doing it, and you're not going to see results tomorrow, maybe not in a week. But over the course of a year, all of a sudden you're like, oh, my muscles got bigger. I'm a little less fat. Like life is good. Yeah. (laughs) And that's that's creativity too is you're showing up to a mind gym and you're putting in the reps and you're doing it. And sometimes it sucks. Sometimes it's not good. But when you do put in the work, I do feel like the muse is very similar to the muscles that you're building creatively. Yeah. So when it comes to deciding to start something new and abandon a project altogether, there's been... I think only one conversation that you and I had where it's like, this just isn't really worth talking about. Both of us listened to it as consumers and we're like, this has no benefit. Mm-hmm. Like I, I got nothing from this. Did you yeah. get anything? And we, we kind of came to the terms of like, wow, we just wasted 45 minutes of conversation over nothing. And that's okay. Yeah. We do that every single day. Yeah. Like we're not recording it. Like just happened to be recording and putting effort towards it in that moment. Right. So abandoning those projects, you have to be okay with because you know it's not going to be your best work. Mm -hmm. And sometimes your best work is still shitty. Yeah. (laughs) I'm still working on that. Yeah. I think that as long as you're trying Mm -hmm. and you're not giving up on it, and I think it comes with like your self-awareness and your intention and what your whole goal for it is. And I think for me, especially like with this podcast, um, like... I I truly love the art of podcasting. I want to be a better conversationalist. And so I feel like this will keep me accountable for how I speak, um, how I want to come across, and also coming better prepared to the conversation with, um, I guess, with like valid points. Mm -hmm. Um, Like I want to, I want to be able to bring data points and like be able to talk about that and like back up like what I believe. And I think for so long, I've, I have struggled with that because I think I've been such an open-minded person, but I haven't really dove into like, well, what does Kenzie believe? Mm-hmm. Um, and why do I believe it? And so I, that's why like, I'm really excited to like keep pursuing this because I think just personally for me, it will just develop a lot of, a lot of growth in that regard. It's beautiful. I love that. And I think that us we're both trying to sharpen up our conversation skills. Yeah. We're both trying to be better speakers. We're both trying to be more opinionated. And I love to talk about certain subjects and learn about them, but I have very wishy-washy opinions. Mm -hmm. There's only a handful of things in this life that I'm like dead set on. This is in stone. Yeah. And a lot of it is morality based. Like besides that, it's kind of hard to switch some of those things. Totally. Um, So I love hearing new perspectives. I love learning that. I want to use this as a vehicle to learn new perspectives and hopefully introduce you guys to some really cool people too. Yeah. I think that's um, like, that's also the cool part of a podcast is like you get to hear perspectives that are outside of your bubble and your Mm -hmm. norm and maybe your echo chamber as we've liked to call it because you and I, we talk all the time to each other. And I think sometimes we can get into our own echo chamber where we just start to be like, yeah, like I agree with you and I believe the same thing that you do. You are so right. Yeah. And (laughs) you're, you are so right right now, but I feel like that can, 
be really damaging um, to personal growth and like just expanding your knowledge and mindset. Um, like, especially when you're just surrounding yourself with the same people. So that's why I love listening to podcasts, especially from people from the East coast, when they have a completely different mindset on things and culture and way they go about life. And it's, it's just really fun. So that's what my hope is for this is that it will just bring new perspective to people. And, um, going back to Alex's question, I think it's when you, when you're thinking about starting something new, you know, maybe also find like a mentorship or maybe find someone in the same field like us, like find collaboration with other people. And maybe, maybe it's salvageable. Maybe you don't think right now it's salvageable, but maybe it's because you're in your own echo chamber and you need to have fresh new eyes and new perspectives on what you're doing with the creative project. 100%. And because as much as we agree with each other, specifically in a creative realm, you and I disagree a lot. Mm-hmm. And that's a great thing because instead of it being this echo chamber, I feel like our best ideas are built off of you and I working together. Um, sometimes so I kind of just like <laughs> that's like not agreeing with what I just said. Well, I'm confused. What do you mean? <laughs> Cle- clearly, there's a misunderstanding <laughs> here. Um, are you disagreeing with me right now? Well, no, because I was just saying I feel like we're in an echo chamber. Like we agree a lot. No, I'm I'm saying You're we saying do agree. disagree a lot. No, I'm saying we do agree a lot generally. Yeah. We talk all the time. We are generally agreeable with one another. Mm-hmm. Like very rarely do we fight. Very rarely are we arguing. Yeah. Um, but in the creative process, specifically with this podcast and like how to produce it, what to say, some of the wording, some of the ideas or topics, we butt heads. Yeah. And I'd say that's true. That is, I think, so important because independently our ideas in a vacuum would never grow and evolve into what this is. Right. And this is kind of a really cool blending of what we come together with where we disagree, disagree. Hey, that's actually a really good idea. But what if we did this? Yeah. And we start to tweak it and all of a sudden we have what we have now. Collaboration. Collaboration. <laughs> but that's what I like is that some of these great ideas can't be formed in a vacuum. Yeah. They have to be pressure tested. They have to be shit on sometimes and poked at and prodded. And obviously this is not a perfect like scenario just yet. This is not a perfect piece. It's also just recorded live conversation. I don't think it will ever be perfect. Yeah. But it is really fun to work on something together and make it ours and have fun with it because it's creative and it feels good. Totally. Well, I think that is a great way to end the conversation. So, um, Thank you all for listening and we will see you next time. Adios. Adios.